The time has come, ladies and gentlemen. Invest Fest, that's right. That's right. Invest Fest 2023 is here. August 25th, 26th, and 27th in Atlanta, Georgia. We are taking it to a new level. Bigger than ever. This year, we're going to do 20,000 people in Atlanta, Georgia. I want you to do yourself a favor. Head over to investfest.com right now. We will have activations from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three days, musical performances, billionaires. Everything is gonna be a completely life-changing experience. Vendor Marketplace, Food Truck Village, you know how we do. Don't wait, don't hesitate, head over now. Earners, what's up? Look, as an entrepreneur, the dream is to earn a living doing what you love. But let's face it, Turning that dream into reality is no small feat. That's where Kajabi steps in, transforming challenges into opportunities. I've been there, juggling every aspect of my business, wishing for a simpler way to diversify revenue and grow my brand. Then Kajabi changed the game. It's an all-in-one platform that empowered me to not just build, but thrive. With Kajabi, creating online courses, membership sites, and more became not just possible, but easy. And the best part? I kept 100% of what I earned, thanks to Kajabi's no-commission policy. But Kajabi isn't just about tools. It's about building a profitable business with the support of robust analytics, easy payment options, and customizable templates, all without needing a huge team or audience. Join me and thousands of entrepreneurs making six or seven figures on Kajabi, regardless of your audience size. If you're ready to turn your passion into profit, Kajabi is your next step to success. So what are you waiting for? Build, grow, and keep what you earn with Kajabi. Start your journey today. And right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash earn. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash earn. Kajabi.com slash earn. And join the entrepreneurs and creators who've made over $6 billion. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Earners, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app, and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look. Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated financial personal app. 
And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash leisure. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash leisure for your extended 30-day free trial. Yes, so we are here at the Baldwin and Co. Coffee Shop and Bookstore, and we about to interview legendary entrepreneur Keyword in the city. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You want to do the introduction? Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's, it's been a minute, man. We've been trying to sit down with this guy for a while um, just because of the value that he's added, not only to our community, but to his city. And anytime we run into him, the level of hospitality. When we talk about Southern hospitality, this dude embodies it, man. And, and so I got Larry Morrow's with us, the legend himself. Uh, so we, we appreciate you joining us, my guy. And I appreciate y'all sharing this platform, man. You know, we've been talking about it for a minute, and it was just an honor just to be able to be here and do this in New Orleans doing a, a beautiful black weekend. Yeah, you know, we in your city, man. We in your city. Oh, man, man, man. Thank you. Because um, this is dope, man. You know, I've been watching what y'all been doing for a long time, and just to be sitting right here doing this with y'all in New Orleans means a lot. You just, you just enlightened us, so I feel Coffee like shop. you could you can do the education of where we are better than we can, obviously, because you're from the city. So, can you uh, let the people know? Because this is going to go obviously on YouTube and all that. So, let the people know where we are and the significance of this. So, um, when, when you told me you was coming to New Orleans, and um, I got a good friend of mine named DJ. Um, uh, when he took over the spot, we met a few years back during the pandemic when he uh, purchased this location, and this was an iconic location. It was Jeans Poor Boys, and uh, it was dope to know that a brother got it. And so when I found that out, I was so happy because, you know, this is a big piece of real estate, you know, on the corner of New Orleans. And um, uh, it was just exciting that he got it. And to watch him develop this bookstore, uh, coffee shop, just this ecosystem uh, where we can come and, and read and just, um, you know, just, just, just join, like just come together, uh, you know, because there's a lot of different things he do over here. Uh, I was excited. So um, when, when y'all came in town, I wanted you know y'all to come over here because he's a big fan of what y'all do. And I'm like, man, let me connect the dots. So uh, I connected the dots, and now we're here. And, 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 it's, and it's dope to be able to just you know connect that you know connect that bridge and yeah. you know just be able to be here. So shout out to DJ, appreciate you, brother. And shout the coffee is incredible, man. I feel like that's been your story. Every time we see you, you're always connecting dots, man. I feel like even with, with Black, you know, we we didn't know who Black was, but you were like, yeah, you got to meet this guy. Um, and we've had phone conversations. Like growing up, is that the know your way? Like we just gotta show love to everybody, because or is that unique to to you and your people? I, I think um, I've been able to uh, build my brand not only by you know being connected, but also connecting dots. You know, I've learned that like from a lot of my mentors, Kenny Burns, Cannon Jasper, uh, a lot of people around me. You know, it's like their friends and family become my friends and family because you know they will easily insert me in conversations that I'm not in or in rooms that I'm not in. And so when I saw that at a young age, my early 20s, I'm 32 now, it's just something that's just stuck with me, just connecting those dots. And um, being from New Orleans, like, you know, that Southern hospitality, just bringing people together through hospitality. So we got to do the formal introduction. Larry Marrow. Say your last name correctly. Man, you sound you sound like Wallow right now. Marrow. 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 That's that E-coat. That's the E-coat. You talking like bone marrow. Marrow. Man, Wallow said, he was on Instagram, he was like, oh, man, Marrows. I'm like, huh? I just let it fly. Marrow. Marrow. What's the last name? Where does that come from? 
Ask, ask my daddy who I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my no, no, my Morrow, papa, uh, I never knew. Yeah, Morrow, I, th- I mean. I thought it was like a New Orleans, like, you nah, know, Creole nah, nah, type nah, of vibe. Nah, nah. No. No? I'm, not from my knowledge. All right. Well, Larry, we actually met during the pandemic on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a room where Meek Mill was in mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people. That's when Clubhouse was going crazy. Yep. And we talking about crypto. Yeah. I forgot who intro- who did the introduction. but um, PJK? Might have been. Might have been PJ Kev. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to PJ Kev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, we connected offline, and we spoke a few a few times, text, had a phone conversation. And then ever since then, like, we just been tapped in. And he's one of these people that always adds value. Yeah. Like, he connects us to people. We're in New Orleans. It's like, what you need? Da, 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 da. That's such an underrated value add. Like, most people always want to take. Very few people give. This is a fact. But it is better to give than receive. And he, I'm sure, is in a position that he's in right now because I know his spirit. Like, his spirit is like, how can I help? He's of service. And this is why he's connected with everybody. Like, you see him with Fabulous. Like, you said, Gillian Wallow. Like, who don't you know? Like, yeah. I feel like every every person in the world knows Larry. Yeah. And any t- anybody that I ask, I'm like, you know Larry? They're like, oh, yeah, of, of course. course I know Larry. So, um, <laughs> when you set this up, I thought that it would be dope for us to interview you because you've given us a lot. But we never actually had like a real sit down conversation to cover your story. You're young and you're doing it on a high level. Yeah, but keep it real with him, though. Like every time we ask him, like, Larry, you ready? I got some more things I got to do, yo. I got some more things I got to do, yo. (laughs) So we finally got you here, man. Yeah, we we nailed (laughs) him to the the corner. So yeah, he's a restaurateur. Um, He was in a night, is in a nightlife vibe. Um, Great collector of art, um, investor, family man. Father. Most importantly, and husband. And husband. and just a, a real big figure yeah. when it comes to the community of New Orleans. So this is going to be a dope conversation. So we, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I know you hate to, but I'm going to say Larry's a legend, man. Like, you're really a legend, man. And, and the crazy part is that we knew about you before we even knew who you were. Because we yeah. just kept seeing these these parties. And they're like, yo, who, I thought you were a lot older. I'm like, yo, this guy must be established in the game. And then I think when one night Shadi called me like, yo, I got Larry on the phone. He want to talk about trading. I'm like, I bet. And I'm like... Yo, Larry, a legend. Do we know that? And I'm uh, the yeah. first time I met you, I'm like, yo, you know you That's you that guy, right? And you're like, nah, Sheldon, nah, 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 man. But you are, though. You know what I'm saying? And to be doing it so young and to be helping people and being of service at all costs is incredible. Whether we here in New Orleans, whether we in Houston, whether we in the 305, like anywhere we go, there's a hospitality and you can feel the love. Even when we walked through this building today, it was like, hey, Larry, like you like the hometown hero in a sense, man. Wow. I appreciate that. And it's crazy because like yesterday, you know, me and Maino met for the first time. And but we got a lot of mutual friends, and Mano was like, "Yo, like, like we just meeting, but I've known you for a long time." <laughs> he said, "Everybody speak about you." He said, "Fab, everybody they they talk about you, and it's like, man, you really a legend." I'm like, you know, there's somebody who you know I've watched coming up, um, and just to hear you know different acknowledgments from people who come before me, and you know, been in the game for a long time, and the knowledge, you know, what I do down in New Orleans, which I feel like down in New Orleans we don't get as much uh, light as we need, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, we're in a city where it's about the culture and the food, but we get a lot of tourism, but, you know, we're not in Hollywood. We're not in black Hollywood, Atlanta. We're not in L.A. We're not in Houston, yeah. uh, in these bigger markets with bigger companies and bigger platforms. So to be here and to have light shine and know people uh, around the country have been watching what I'm doing and acknowledging what I'm doing, man, it's just, like, so inspiring just to, you know, be a part of it. Man. Put on for the city. Yeah. So, so let's get into it. So you're a restaurateur. Let's start there. But, um... How do you get into the restaurant? It's one of the hardest businesses to get into. And you open up successful restaurants at a very young age. 
Um, but how does that transition happen from you originally started with nightlife, right? Yep. So yeah, how does the transition happen from nightlife to being a restaurateur? And how do you maintain successful restaurants when ninety percent of restaurants fail? Um, I would say because I, I built my business uh, from the ground up, and it wasn't with my, like I, like I wasn't born with money. I I didn't have it. You know, I worked. You know, fourteen years old. People don't know I was working at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Worked at Finish Line. I worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Man, I worked at. <laughs> I did valet. <laughs> I did my last jobs was when I was twenty years old. I did. I was I was doing valet. And I was uh, and I was a lifeguard at Stalin's Park in the Seven Ward, and uh, a lot of people don't know these things. Like I always worked, so I always had those habits, and I worked, worked, worked. But you know, of course, I wanted to create my own, you know, my own thing. So um, when I started at 20 years old producing events, uh, I, I did my I did my first event, made like eleven thousand dollars, and you know, I saw like you know, you're 20 years old, you make eleven thousand dollars from partying. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Party every day. (laughs) It's a party. We're running this back tomorrow. I was at the stage in my life where I was trying to figure it out. So just to kind of like, you know, just tell about the, you know, the the journey coming up to the rest, you know, just being into the food industry. Um, 20 years old, producing events. Uh, What kind of events? Just regular parties? I was just doing regular parties. And um, one of my first hosts I brought was Dre and Michelle. Mm-hmm. And me and Dre are tight to this day, you know, twelve years strong, and we've uh, we've built over the years. And she connected with me with so many people in LA. Uh, first time going into LA was because she and her manager invited me because they wanted to return the hospitality I gave them while in New Orleans. It's twenty years old. I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> but I wanted to show them a good time and just show them like you know, show them New Orleans. And at the end of the trip, they was like, "Yo, out of every place you went to, you being twenty years old, you gave us the best experience." Mm. You know, so I was like, damn. So they invited me to L.A. I spent my 20, like, New Year's Eve when I was 20 years old, right before my birthday in L.A. And that was, like, the start of it because it showed me, like, damn, I'm able to connect and build with people being me. Yeah. Right? Like, I didn't have to do anything out of ordinary. I was just myself and just showed them a good time. And, you know, she introduced me to so many people 12 years ago that I'm still cool with to today. So um, that right there was just, like, the start of, like, you know, what helped build, you know, where I'm at right now, these relationships. And as y'all know, like, a lot of this thrive off relationships. Mm-hmm. And I've been blessed to build a ecosystem. Yeah. You know, I'm rich in, rich in love and relationships, and I'm blessed for that. So that's kind of how I started. And uh, when I was 22 years old, I opened up uh, a spot called Larry's Poor Boys and Wings. Uh, that was, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, so um, I opened up that spot, and it was doing well, but I'm, I wasn't mentally... Um, in the right place. I was young, wanted to be in the streets, wanted to have fun. Uh, me and my mom, we opened it up, something I did for my family. And, um, you know, it, it didn't do what I wanted to do, and uh, I had to shut it down. Uh, I told people, like, you know, I, I sold the business because I was embarrassed to say I lost it. Yeah. Just couldn't keep up with it. You know, I, I didn't realize restaurant business, you needed more reserves in order to uh, sustain it. And, you know, fast forward, you know, from 22 to 27, after I closed it, I opened up Morrow's in uh, 2018, and, um, it, 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 like, learning from when I was 22, it helped prepare for, like, when I opened up Morrow's. I yeah. know I needed more reserves. I know I needed uh, just I, – I was just mentally in a better place. You know, I, I was much more mature than 22 years old. So I opened up Morrow's. It was, like, lying out the door. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, we on to something. But there's something there, though, right? Because yeah. most people, they try in an industry that they're not familiar with. It doesn't work, and they quit. And they're like, yo, at least I tried. Like, what was it in you, like, the resiliency there that was like, all right, it didn't work, but I'm going to learn from this, I'm going to come back, I'm going to do it better, rather than what most people do is like, all right, I tried it, it didn't work, 
that's man, what's up next. I, 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 so I would say I've always been a big risk taker. Like, man, I always, um, man, I, I, I love the risk. You know, I grew up, you know, one, one of my ways I made money coming up, I, I gambled. You know, me and my friends, we would shoot dice uh, at Dorio's House of Style in the Seven Wall. And that's one of the things that helped me, you know, like, like it taught me not to, like, not to value that dollar because just as, much, as fast as I made it, I lost to gambling. So, mm -hmm. you know, my perception of what a dollar was at that time was different than someone who didn't experience the gambling or taking risks. So I was taking risks, and I would lose all my money and, and, and be hurt, you know? <laughs> and, and so, like, imagine if you – if it just built my endurance. Yeah. So um, it's just like, you know, so I've always been one of those people, like, just take risks, and even if I lose, I'm, I'm willing to bet it back. So, you know, in 2018, I dropped my book, All Bets on Me. The risks and rewards of becoming an entrepreneur because, you know, it's a lot of risk and a lot of reward that come with it, but I'm here for it all, you know? There's, there's another part there, too. You said that I started the business with my mom. Yeah. I know, you know, mothers and their sons is, is, is a unique relationship. Yeah. So what was that like when you like, your mom, we tried this, it didn't work. What was her, like, perspective on it? Like, yo, Larry, this was good. It didn't work. Like, how, how was she during that process of you saying, so, all right, we got to shut this down? Mom's was always, she always been in the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, Morrow's was one of the most successful ones because of the collaboration. You know, we collaborated when I was 22, but I wasn't in the best space in my life. She wasn't either. And, you know, when I became 27, we opened up this spot. Uh, my mom, like, she, she's built her brand. She's been catering, cooking for all her life. And she was in a more established place in her life. I was in a more established place in my life. So when, when she was able to focus on curating the food and not having to curate the whole, the bring the people, run the front of the house operations, run the back of the house. And she had, you know, myself to take something that weighed off. Like, all right, cool. We don't have to worry about people coming because they're, they're lining up to get in. Now let's focus on the food. Let's focus on the service. Let's focus on the front of the house. So, um, it wasn't easy because, you know, having a mom and son business, it's, it's not an easy thing. So we were just alike. We would clash and, but, um, I'm happy to see where we've come. Um, we're now, like, you know, right now, you know, we opened up a new spot Monday last year, and, and it just made a year, and, you know, we might do 1,500, 2,000 people just today mm. that come through the restaurant. So um, it, it's, it's a blessing to see how, you know, we made that transition, but we figured out, you know, what, like, like the things that can help make it work. So let me ask you this. You can learn from other people's mistakes. 1, you said the first first business, the restaurant didn't work, right? You, you mentioned reserves. Let's really detail why it didn't work. Um, what exactly went wrong? And you said the reserves thing. That's very key. How much reserves should a restaurateur expect to have in the bank before starting a restaurant? I wouldn't say it's a certain dollar amount, but a lot of people going to any business you go into, you don't want to just go into it like, you know, not having no backup, not can't pay next month's rent because you can easily lose your business. So I think what I've learned from that first situation was that, you know, I need to have a few dollars to be able to cover a few months worth of rent, um, because if you can't, like, like, like Tillman Fatita said this in his book, and this is one of the largest restaurant tours in the world. Like, you got ups and down moments in the restaurant industry. Maybe one month you can't pay your rent because you had a bad month, hurricane, whatever, just you know affects your business. So you can't sustain yourself through that month. So when the next month comes, you can't pay your rent. So you just gotta like you gotta be able to sustain yourself because if you can get through one bad month. And have a few reserves, and then the next three months may be, you know, amazing. So you can save yourself a lot of um, 
failure in this industry by just having a month or two because sometimes you got to get over that hump. Mm. And uh, I think I was able to get over that hump and just understand, like, all right, cool. I need reserves to do this. And I, it wasn't a lot of money. It was just knowing I couldn't go up in there and, and, and spend all my money on this one project and not be able to pay next month's rent if I got to. That's, like, one of the things that most businesses don't consider, especially brick and mortar. It's like any type of business, clothing store, salon, anything. It's like there's ups and downs, like you said, and there's there's peak seasons, there's dry seasons, different things of that nature, but your costs usually stay the same. So your rent's the same, your cable's the same, your water bill's the same. So they don't want to hear, well, I had a bad month, right? So it's like you setting yourself up for failure if you don't have a cushion. This is why it's good to have business partners as well. Yeah. Sometimes it's like you might not have enough Money. It lightens the load, too. Exactly. It lightens the load because I used to want a whole pie, but now I just want a piece of it. Mm. Why could a whole pie come with, like, you know, all the headache, all the stress, all the responsibility? And me just being a brand and just growing my business, you know, I'm able to go build and connect and move around the country, move around the world, go to Africa and connect with different people, travel to different places and, you know, build my business at the same time. But if I was just married to my business, I didn't have no freedom to go build and do what I do. I probably wouldn't be sitting at this table. So when you're creating a restaurant, mom has the expertise in it. Who's coming up with the menu, food costs? Because these are things that are associated with restaurants that most people don't go into. It. They think like, oh, I wanted to serve food. They don't understand the business behind it. So who are you leaning on each other for that experience? Or how, how did that, that So for transparency, so like with, with this industry, like my mom, like I'm, my mom's always been in the industry. She's the reason why I got into the industry. Mm. You know, I saw a little success in it and I got like big eyes. Like, I'm like, yo, like, we can do this. And, you know, it helped make my mom, you know, just think a little bigger because, you know, why open up one restaurant and, you know, make this? If we can do it, like, like my like my theory, if Tillman Fatita can own, who owns the Rockets, owns Post Oak, owns Landry's, Bubble Gump, you know, a whole bunch of different spots. If he can own 500 restaurants, 600 restaurants, why can't I? Right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm telling my mom, I'm like, she's like, how are we going to do it? How will we do that? Like, mom, don't worry about that. I'm going to figure that out. Mm. So me, that's what I do. I figure things out. So I'm figuring, I am I started to figure out ways to, you know, how can we expand but not, you know, break, right? So, you know, I, I came up with different ideas and ways that we can expand. And I, I would see all these locations. Like, I walk out here today and I see something I want it. I'm going to go get it. <laughs> and that's just what it is. And, and, and I don't accept no for an answer. So it's like um, I came up with the, you know, the formula like, just to get on our, our food costs and just I meet with my bookkeepers once a week. Um, we have meetings once a week about our food costs, about everything, and just understanding, like, you know, the margins. Like, you know, in the restaurant industry, it's 15 to, put, 15 to 20% profit margins. It's not a big margin, right? But it's like, you know, morals, I'm 30%. Why? Because I'm maintaining the food costs. I'm maintaining the labor costs. I'm maintaining the, the liquor costs. I'm maintaining, you know, the, the whole nine. So um, I think our collaboration was great, but I dove a little deeper and just kind of showed my mom. And she like, wow, like I showed her a bigger picture of what it could look like. And now it's like, you no, know, the goal is not to have one restaurant. It's not to have two. It's not to have three. Not to have four. It's not to have ten. To have as many as we can have. And I think, um, like I said, Tillman Fatita can have 500. Why can't I have, you know, 600? So, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think another reason why the other second restaurant was successful, by that time you had already developed a, a real buzz for yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so now, I think that's why the first one really, because at, at, at 28, 27, 28, like I built the bigger brand than 22, so it helped 
you know, all those relationships, yeah. Drake coming through. Pull up. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, this is a business lesson for anybody. It's a lot easier to build a brand on the shoulders of another brand as opposed to just starting from the beginning. That's even one of the things that we did with Earn Your Leisure. So the original, my original plan, I was a financial advisor. Yeah. My original plan was to be a celebrity financial advisor. I didn't really think about the media space. So it was growing my own personal social media page. And that got to like 50,000 followers. Mm -hmm. But then we saw, okay, there's an opportunity to start Earn Your Leisure. But there was already groundwork that was done on a social media aspect that had 50,000 followers, a lot of people, 50,000. So by the time we started Earn Your Leisure, now it's me saying, all right, now we got Earn Your Leisure. So one brand, which essentially was built, helps build another brand. Yeah, That's a lot easier than just having no followers at all right. and just saying, Earn your leisure just possible. Like, what does that even mean? Everything, Who is it? Everything's feeding each other right now. Like, Larry Moore events is like the the motor. Like, like me being a, a like event producer, producing events is like the motor behind it all because I built all these relationships up for the past 10 years, right? Opened up a restaurant. I got Floyd Mayweather coming to town. He come and have lunch with me. I got Mary J. Blige coming to town. She come and have lunch with me. She love my mom. She love her food. I got, you know, all these people coming in. So my brand, Larry Morrow events, built, helped, Thrive, like like push morrows and then you know morrows helped push mon no I had morrows then I went to treehouse tree yeah, yeah. I'm producing all these events and bringing you know ten times the amount of people more people than I when I was initially because now I got my own venue so when they come in town they come by morrows then now after that I open up Monday they go by Monday so I've created this whole ecosystem and, and I just like got a reservation manager so it's like when people call and want to book morrows and morrows book hey we can set you up at you know, Sun Chung. Now we can set you up at, you know, Monday, and we can we can we can take care of your whole trip. We're like a concierge service now, so we control in our environment. So uh, one part of, of the restaurant business that always gets overlooked is the hiring process. And you being a young CEO, a young restaurateur, when you're trying to find the right people to work inside of your establishment, talk about that process, right? Because they, I mean, a lot of times they're not going to care for it the same way you do, right? This oh, is your baby, saying. right? So how do you <coughs> keep the retention inside of this space? Well, so in this industry, unfortunately, you always have retention. This is what it is. Uh, it's a high-value business. It's something that's going to constantly get turned over. But, you know, like anything in life, you're going to find people, good people. Out of every hundred, you might find one. Uh, I would say outside my mother, um, you know, and JC. JC's my partner uh, as well. Um, and um, I have Theora. Theora, she's the COO of my company, you know, chief operating officer. And basically, she runs all my establishment. She started off as an intern. She started off working for free. Mm -hmm. Right around the time I opened up my rules, working for free. I didn't know how I was going to do it. You know, like, like, I wasn't in the position I was in five years ago. So I didn't know how I was going to sustain it and, like, pay her, do, do all the things I wanted to do. So she started working for free. Then when I was able, I was paying like $1,000 a month. Right now it's like then we started you know we started to grow, and you know she's now one of the highest paid people in my company making six figures and running a whole operation and she's committed like it's nothing that she wouldn't do you know like, like she really like as I make more money she makes more money she's like she's been a, a big help and like um, a driving force in helping make this company successful outside my mother myself and JC um, so um, shout out to her. Uh, because you know, uh, I realize you can't you know you can't do it alone. You got to have a team. You got to have a solid foundation. And honestly, I'm only able to dream as big as I dreaming right now because of what I have around me. Me and Troy were at a um, 
summit a few weeks ago in the Hamptons, and um, we learned something that was very insightful. So they were saying that uh, Netflix, Netflix, right? Netflix has an online manifesto that everybody should read, um, and it like outlines their company structure. And they were saying that they pay the most out of any streaming mm-hmm. company. They pay their employees the most. And the reason being is just like the theory is that one good employee is actually worth two people. So I'd rather pay you more than what other people will pay right. you because I'm actually saving money. Right. And if you are if you're an employer, you know how dangerous one bad employee can be, mm-hmm. and how valuable one, like one good. Like they say, a one good, a few good men, one good employee yeah. can really change the direction of your whole entire <laughs> right, company. Balance, so yeah. that's extremely important to to always look at employees as an investment. Right. Sometimes it's like, and especially when you start, it, it can be kind of scary. It's like I don't even have enough money to you know really fund the business properly. Like how am I gonna pay somebody? But sometimes you have to take the leap of faith because. Yeah, that one employee, if you're paying them 50000 or whatever, they could potentially bring in 350000 for you. Right. Yes. So, um, But I wanted to ask you a question in regards to what you had mentioned, the hospitality company. So what's your portfolio? How many restaurants do you currently have right now? So currently I have uh, Morrow's. I have Monday. I have uh, Sun Chung in the French Quarter. I have uh, Morrow's Steak that's opening up in like two months, uh, downtown New Orleans. And I have... Uh, Spot called Spicy Mango that's opening up in uh, on Frenchman Street. And tree, Treehouse is a club? Uh, yes, yeah, a club. So five restaurants, one club. Five restaurants, one club. Yeah. So very impressive, by the way. Congrats. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Because they're all different type of restaurants, right? All different type. Talk and about, that's the hardest thing to do. Talk about that. Well, so I'm creating co- different concepts. And, like, you know, of course, that's the formula to, uh, to disaster, essentially, because... Now you're trying to recreate a whole new situation. Like we're using the same blueprint for everything we're doing, same system, same everything, right? But um, you know, me creating different concepts is like I gotta hire new chefs, I gotta find new people to come help create this vision. So, so that's tough, and you know, that's just the route I'm going right now. Uh, but my ultimate goal, like you know, right now we're working on Morrow's um, H Houston uh, for 2024, and um, it'll be easier to go create a new morals versus create these new concepts because I got staff I can move to Houston and, you know, run it, you know, and, and who, who know who know the system versus, you know, going to create a new concept, new menu, new chefs and everything. But I'm learning that, you know what, like we were just talking about, like, retention and just paying people more, you know, like you got to pay for good help, and that's yeah. what I've been doing. So we're not trying to get, you know, at one point, like, you know, I, I, I was a little cheaper and was like, yo, I can't, afford, I, can't, I can't afford to pay that. But now I want to pay that. Yeah. I, want, I want to pay for good help. I want yeah. to pay for good people because that's the only way I'm going to be able to, you know, have like be able to sleep at night and, and have any type of freedom is when I have good people. Because if you don't have good people, I got to, you know, watch over everything they're doing. Um, so, you know, I'm building my foundation. And, you know, whoever's a part of that core, like when I grow, we grow. You know what yeah. I mean? When the company grows, we all grow. It's not, you're not, you're not limited. So we driving Maybachs and Ferraris, like, you know, the goal is to get, <laughs> You know, of, of we living in houses, I want everybody, everybody to have, the, to have the the comfort of. Uh, and this industry is not known to like people. Are like, are you crazy? Like, why are you doing so much? You want to be stressed out? I'm not stressed. You know, I, I want everybody to have the quality of life. And in this industry, not everybody has the quality of life because of the hours it take. And you know, the average manager in the restaurant industry working 60, 70 hours. Right, that's a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. So if you got a family, kids, and you know. A personal life, like how can you maintain your personal life? So I'm like, you know what? 
we're going to build our company on making sure everybody can have the quality of life, not just the CEO or the people you know at the top. No, everybody. So right now it's a lot tougher. Everybody's playing more roles, but you know right now we're all working together so that we can all make sure that everybody can you know be a part of this company, have freedom and make a good living and be happy. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because when, when Shadi was, we, we talked about that Netflix uh, situation, the next thing we looked at each other and said, wait, one good employee is worth two, but in our community, like, one is worth, like, five because yeah. they're doing so many multiple roles. I want to talk about the the position that you're in from leasing these locations to ownership, right? Because on top of it being a location, it's also a real estate play, right? right? Talk, talk about the, the, the strategy behind that. So I, I don't own every location I have. Um, I'm also, I'm, I'm in the process of buying some of them, um, some of them I'm leasing. But I think it just depends on the location, the lease. Uh, you know, Tim and Fatita, you know, one of the largest restaurateurs in the world. He says, okay, to lease. You know, like like some buildings you just got to lease, you know, because it, it's not worth what the, you know, to, it's not worth it to buy it, mm-hmm. you know. So, um Catch hospitality, you know. I've been since been seeing some of their spaces, you know, like the amount of money they pay in a lease. You'd be like, what the hell? Like I never knew a lease could be this high. <laughs> like, yeah, they told me like, you know, I was out there recently with Catch Hospitality in New York. I spent uh, five days out there, and they opened, welcomed me with open arms, cre- created a whole agenda just to walk me through their process to show me a young aspiring. Restaurant tour, you know. Um, it's my favorite. My, my kids' catch, favorite spot. Catch, I, know, catch, I love that. That is my no, kid. They, shout out to Eugene. Shout out to They are probably Peter. there right now eating. Catch is my no, vibe, listen, man. No, 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 LA, the LA. What'd you learn from Catch? Oh, so quick story. Quick story. I was in LA, been to Catch 2017, went with a friend, and and, and I was saying, like, I want New Orleans, I want Morrow's to be the catch of the South. Mm. Right? This is when I was about to open up Morrow's, right? Fast forward, you know. But six years later, you know, I'm sitting down in meetings with Eugene and his team. You know, they recently sold their company for $100 million. And, you know, just being able to see that. Um, but I, I've learned so much. I've learned just even, like, how leadership, you know, just being, just, just like, watching them operate leadership and um, how to control just your percentages and just how starting to shift off with a pre-shift. Something as simple as a pre-shift can help save a lot of um, problems throughout the day. You know, doing cups up before the shift starts. What's, a, what's, a, what's a pre-shift? A pre-shift is just like a, a meeting before the shift, right? A meeting that basically sets the tone for the day. Oh, I seen that. It's like when everybody gets in the huddle. Man, no, listen. <laughs> listen, I came back like, I was like, yo, no sitting down, pre-shift, let's huddle up. It's almost like you're about to call a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's huddle up and, and let's have a quick meeting, right? And, and it was so impactful that uh, one of my servers DM me. She was like, oh, my gosh, the pre-shift was so amazing. It really motivated me, and, and, and it inspired the staff and, and helped us have a better day. But one thing I preach to my staff is, like, you know, like I don't want nobody to be with me, be an employee of mine forever. If there's a way I can help or knowledge I can, you know, pass down, because a lot of people are, like, you know, my age and people who are from New Orleans, part of the community, and um, got a lot of questions, and I'm here to answer those questions. But I think, you know, uh, uh, one of my um, a young men that works for me, he was like, Yo, how can I learn from you? And my words, my response to him was, I said, stay close. That's the rule. That's the rule. Because I, I invite, you know, all of them, like, they they go, they, they work at the spot, but then they come to Treehouse, they're free, bottles, whatever they want. Like, I make sure my staff have a good time if they want to go out, whatever. But, like, you know, stay close. I'm available. Like, you know, I, I'm honestly too available at times because I'm in every group message. I'm in every conversation, you know, when I don't have to be. But I'm a part of, you know, everything that's going on because I care about it. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to build what I'm building without people 
who believed in me and just even, you know, whether it's a server, busser, chef, you know, uh, Ed, shout out to Ed, you know, he's been with us since day one. Um, one of our executive chefs at Morrow's, you know, he, he, he's he been a big help and um, them believing in me and me believing in them has helped us just... What's the cups up? You said the cups up then? Cups up. So it's like, basically like when I went out there, they were trying every dish before they open, right? Because you can identify what, what's just off, right? And it's something as simple as that. So, all right, cool. We need a cups up 20 minutes before the doors open up. Whatever's not right, either 86 it, meaning get rid of it, or, you know, it, fix it. Like a taste testing? A taste testing, right? Yeah. So just something as simple as that will just help change what your day look like because you're going to save on food costs, things getting sent back. Mm-hmm. You're going to save in a bunch of different ways. And like I said, there's low profit margins. You know, like the restaurant industry. You can't you can, afford to make mistakes. Right. But you can if you manage it properly. But the restaurant industry is one of those things that it can make you successful. If you utilize it properly, cash flow, it can help you go acquire real estate. It can help you acquire things, you know, help with my P&Ls at the end of the year. Like, mm. the bank look at my P&Ls and, and they see how much cash flow I got. And it's like, it makes it easier when I go acquire. When I go acquire whatever house, whatever real estate, it just helps. So that's how a lot of restaurateurs and people in this industry or anybody with cash flow. If you got cash flow and you stand on top of your P&Ls and you can show, you know, you can, you can show, you know, the bank your numbers. is like, it help you to... Go acquire things, you know. So, yeah. Um, that, that's another thing I use it for because it's like it's helping build, make me a, a, a stronger uh, person, uh, company to just have a, a a nice cash flow and be able to uh, look at things differently, you know. Yeah, and P and L's is important, man. Yeah. I, I'm thinking now, like when you're doing these real estate transactions, um, the importance of credit inside of this, right? Yeah. When you're going to get your lease or you're trying to get a new deal. Talk about that, because that, that's something that people are not looking at. Like, when we, we talk credit, most people think, oh, I got to get a home, <coughs> or I got to get a car. But you're creating and businesses and a, almost like a, a hospitality situation where credit is almost equally as important inside that and the effects of it. When you say credit, you're talking about credit lines? Credit, credit lines, like if, if you're going to, to get a loan from the bank, if you're, if you're trying to do a real estate deal. Right. How, how, how does that work inside the real estate? Well, uh, no, nah, it, it, work, it, works, it works like, you know, I mean, to acquire anything, you got to have, you know, you got to have, you know, P&Ls and credit. You got to have just, like, just credentials. You know what I mean? So uh, it allowed me, like, before I remember when I brought my first piece of property at uh, 25, um, I actually I sold my watch. I had got this Rolex. Uh, what kind? It was a bust down. Bust down? Rolex, bust it right? down. I ain't know nothing about no Rolex, but I paid a lot of money for it, right? <laughs> I, I'm gonna need that cash. No, no, listen, no, 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 I thought I thought I was a rapper back back when I was 25. So I was I was hanging with Fab. I was hanging with everybody. I thought I was a rapper. So, um, but you know when I realized I wasn't, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, that's mm-hmm. when everything started to change because I was like living in my purpose, you know. And um, I sold that watch. Had a friend of mine. I won't say his name. <laughs> he bought the watch for the same price I bought it. So I got to shine with it for two years. Yeah. I sold it and I bought my first house, thirty nine thousand dollars cash. To die Spencer, I couldn't I couldn't go to the bank. I wasn't bankable, right? And I tell my staff, I'm like, yo, look, y'all want to keep your cash. Y'all need to go deposit it and show the government what you're making, pay taxes on it so that you can go acquire things. People think that you, like, like if, if you're in the service industry, the thing is, oh, I want my cash tips. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help you buy a house. Not going to help you buy a car. No, you need to go deposit it, show what you're making, pay your taxes. Now when you go to the bank, you got paperwork. You know what I mean? And I didn't realize that. And that's why I try to, like, these things that I'm telling my staff, like, yeah. I want I want them to be knowledgeable. Like, it's not like, how do you get to the next level? You got to pay to play. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you just said you that. Because 
I'm thinking about people who get the tips, and it's like, I'm, I'm just put this under the mattress, right? But you do that long enough, then you can't show. Oh. She laughed because she put us under the mattress. <laughs> <laughs> he do too? But the, right, if you don't put that in the bank, then it's like, when I'm trying to get a loan, well, what's your income? You know what I'm saying? So it becomes think, super I, I, difficult. I think when you're not in a financial position to go do what you want to do, you need to show as much as you can. Mm-hmm. But when you get in a financial position to do what you need to do, such as like, you know, very successful people, they're trying to hide money trying to, you know, buy buildings and different things for tax purposes to not pay as much. So I think, you know, it's, it's different games you got to play at different points in your life. Yeah. So if you're starting off and you're trying to grow, you need to be showing what you're making. You need to be paying your taxes. And it hurt because, honestly, I paid a large amount of money the other day just getting caught up on things. You know, like getting – like my business took off so fast when I was, you know, just started producing events. I'm making money producing events. I'm not paying no taxes. I'm not. What is a tax? Like, what, what is that? <laughs> what is it? Yeah, like, what is it? What is it? I'm so, sorry, but, haven't paid my but taxes. I, I'm too turned up. Two turned. No, right. No, right. Right. Two turned. <laughs> turned up. No, but now think about it, right? But Literally. The average person, the average person not thinking about taxes. Like, That's a fact. But so when I realized I couldn't buy that property through the bank, I had to pay cash. Craziest thing I ever did because it slowed my process down. I paid thirty nine thousand and I had to put like a hundred thousand dollars into renovation. All my money had no money available. It slowed me down. Had to sell this home and I was so eager to sell it because I had no money. So I took a cut on it and it just threw it off, threw me off track. And um, shout out to Sadat Spencer because he's the reason why I bought my first piece of property because he saw I wanted to get in the industry. He's a uh, guy in New Orleans, a guru in this industry. Um, and um, one of my friends and partner now, JC. Uh, was was a was a financial advisor. Uh, he worked at the bank, and he told me, he "said Why would you pay cash for it when you could have took that same hundred thousand dollars, put down twenty percent deposit, and buy five pieces of properties? Now you make five times the money." Ooh, and I told he spoke to me and, and listen, <laughs> spoke to my I, soul. And listen, like like like, <laughs> like like getting all this advice yeah. is what changed like me. Yeah. You know, like I go to the bank. You know, I just sold two homes. Like like I sold one two weeks ago, and I sold another one the following week, and I used the bank's money. Other people's money. Other people's money. And I didn't understand that at first. But, you know, like, I sold, like, a house uptown for uh, off a magazine. You know, that's, like, you know, that's that's big. That's heavy. <laughs> heavy. <laughs> and I sold another one, you know. So it's, like, you know, it was a great week. But, like, I didn't have to, you know, put down, you know, pay it out, out cash, you know. Like, I used the bank for it, and, and it allowed me to do more. So let me ask you this. You said something about a concierge service. Like, if people want to get a reservation and they might not be able to get a reservation in one place they can get a, like talk about that um well i didn't i wasn't i just thought about like yeah, we create our own concierge but it's more so like you know we're hiring different positions like we're hiring like you know i got a guy you know coming on from one of these big top like top restaurants you know like steakhouses and um been in the game for 20 years and um earners what's going on listen eylu is relaunching revamping retooling that's right we're creating a new educational experience that's more expensive shawty tell me what we got yes 2023 we got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there.
I think it's just like you know identifying the positions you need, and we decide we, we realized we needed like our own reservation manager because we get like hundreds of calls a day, right? And so we just need to be able to manage it properly because we're missing a lot of leads, people calling for parties, you know, we're missing a lot of money. So now it's like we're going to probably see an increase of 10 20%, which matters by just, you know, incorporating the system. Even though we're hiring a new management position, it's, it's going to help us make more money, mm. you know? So I want, I want to talk about women. You know, raised by women, grew up around women. Her COO is a woman, partnered with mom, obviously a woman. Sue Chung. Sun Chung. Grandma name. Named after grandma. Oh, woman. We saw the ribbon cutting. It was an emotional moment for you. Oh, man. Saw some emotional. tears. Talk about the, the importance of, of the, and the role that women have played in the development of the Marvel brand. Man, it's like somebody told me the other day, they said, boy, you smart. You're all women around you. You're all women working with you. That's, that's the first thing I thought. <laughs> and, and real talk, like, my staff, everybody's women. My mom, my grandmother, my sister, my, you know, like, Theoria, Macy, you know, um, my grandmother, just just everybody around me, you know, who play a role, um, are women. And uh, you know, I was raised in a you know a mom single parent household. My mom, she was you know my father figure. You know, my father wasn't there. Um, she played an important role in my life and just helped me. You know, like just you know just helped me you know navigate through life. And um, I'm blessed to like you know just not have had a short leash on me because I was able to go out and you know become a man and learn from trial and error. Um, just in, in my ecosystem as a kid. And so um, my mom, man, I'm just so blessed. And like just like now having my own family and, you know, my fiance, she plays an important role in just making sure like our foundation, our house is a home, which gives me, you know, the comfort to go out and do what I do, you know, to uh, make sure my child is, you know, um, well taken care of and just, you know, just being able to go do what I do because, you know, it's not easy to balance, you know, this work and personal life and family life. And, like, it's crazy. My neighbor texted me. He said yesterday morning, he knows Essence Weekend. He was like, yo, man, I don't know how you do it because, like, like you're going to see, like, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm always do if If I go experience something without my family, I'm going to come back and experience it twice as more, twice more with my family. So, like I told, like, I had to go to Africa for a business trip and, um, I told I told him like yo when I come back we gonna experience this twice more like we gonna come here twice whatever, but you know it's like understanding that balance because you know without that I wouldn't be able to do this you know so mm-hmm. I make sure that you know I, I nurture all those components around me and just even not just my home but my mother my um, my team Theora Macy like they, they play big roles so um, it's just you know it, I'm, I'm blessed to have a strong group of women around me and, and I didn't really realize it that I had you know so many women working for me. But that's really running my company, like really running this company to help it become successful. The Tree of Life painting. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, what is the significance of that? And there's a story with Sean Carter. A guy, a guy we might know. Sean Carter <laughs> is involved in oh, that. J- oh, Jay-Z, huh? <laughs> may, may have heard of him. Jay-Z. What's the story with Hove? Man. Um, so basically, so when Treehouse opened up, we wanted to create this painting. So with Morrow's, you know, Morrow's, like, people would line up. I would sit in front of Morrow's in my car and watch people get dressed up to come take a picture in front of the sign. Um, when we when we got that sign, I had the option to get this little wood sign or pay more and get this aluminum, illuminated sign. I'm like, I want the wood one. I want the one that, you know, people could take pictures in front of. Little did I know that I was setting myself up to create uh, a photo drop. Everybody would take pictures in front of every celebrity you could think of would come and take these pictures. And so um, it was a big hit and it helped, you know, 
you know, like circulate around social media. So I'm like, you know what? When we go in the treehouse, I want a photo drop. I want somewhere for people to take pictures. So um, we created that at Treehouse. And the way it came about, there was a, a friend of mine, Kendall Ferran, genius when it comes to, you know, art and just well, what he does. He's, he's a dope person. He was like, um, he came, looked at it, and he was like, yo, like, I'm like, I'm like, yo, look, I want this. I want a painting here. I don't know what I wanted to be. So we just started pondering our ideas. And it was like, I'm like, I want a picture of Jay-Z. But that also come from Theoria. She also mentioned something about, like, you know, putting somebody, like, who was going to do Wayne, who was thinking about different people to put. But we came up with an idea of, like, you know, Jay-Z and turning his head into, like, a tree or something, right? And it was an idea we didn't really know it was going to look the way it looked. So he was like, I got the perfect person for this. So uh, he called Jaron. Um, and Jaron came over, a uh, dope artist, local, uh, cool dude. And um, we started to develop this idea. And so we all came up with this idea. And then um, I told him, like, yo, look, my whole going to take a picture in front of this, mm. right? Hov didn't take a picture in front of it. But after, you know, we got the painting up, went viral. He got fab taking pictures in front of it. Everybody who come to the was taking pictures in front of it. And um, a few friends sent it over to Emory, Jay, and everybody. And Jay wanted to buy it. And so he wanted to buy it to put it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, so he purchased the painting, and he put it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I went to, uh, I was in um, Cleveland for All-Star Weekend, and I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I saw this photo. And they had my name on side in Treehouse, and, uh, you know, Jaron Beasley, and it was dope, you know, because, you know, it's like, you know, what's been happening in my life, I've been projecting a lot of things into the universe, and it's like, it happens because of, you know, just like, just, just knowing it will, you know, and, and, and praying and just like being thankful for the opportunity and just everything that's going on. So uh, when Hove, like, when I got the call, like, Hove wanted to buy I'm like, yo, that's dope. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't want to let the paint go, but it's, it was bigger than me. You know, it was big. I would have felt like a sucker not, you know, letting that paint fly because, you know, it, it's going to help, you know, an artist from New Orleans and, um, you know, open up more doors for just all of us, you know, so. But did you speak to him directly or just somebody from his team? No, no, no. I, I spoke to his team. Uh, they reached out and we was going, we was negotiating for like two months. About the price? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we had Jay-Z, yeah. <laughs> I, I need an M. <laughs> did they ever pull up? I, I feel like I've seen pictures. Was, maybe it was Salon. Just Salon. Did anybody from the team pull up to Treehouse? Prior to it leaving, the, the painting leaving? No, but it was like a big rollout. Like, they came video the whole thing because this was like, because the paint was so big yeah, yeah. that, like, you couldn't just ship it. Like, they had to drive it to Cleveland. They had to come, like, so they came in. It was almost like it was in a funeral home. Like, they came with big old boxes, shit put it on, and, like, just, like, wrapped everything up a hundred times and just to ensure that it was, it was safe. And um, um, it was like a whole production and uh, they, they they recorded the whole, the whole thing, shipped it to Cleveland, and, and they put it in his frame. And now it's, it's you, up there. You thought you was gonna be a rapper, right? That didn't work, but you still ended up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Damn! <laughs> Look at God, right? <laughs> Let's talk about expansion, man. Um, the last time we saw you, uh, we were having a great time in the city of Houston. Um, let's talk about where, where, where Marls is going. Are there more cities that you're looking to expand into? Obviously, yep. I'm gonna be biased that because we're in New York and there's no oysters like yours. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the deal with expansion for for the brand? So we coming to New York for sure. Uh, um, yes, that's like you know my relationship with New York. Like, all, like majority of my friends outside of New Orleans are from New York. 
Got some cool homies from there, man. You got, you got a lot of New York swag. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I want y'all to pay attention to the hat. See, no, but what's crazy, I was that kid. Like, you know, imagine, like, being raised in New Orleans and you watching these movies, like, paid in full. And and you watching, like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm in high school. I'm like, yo, what up, B? You know what I mean? I'm talking like I'm from New York. They're like, you're not from New York. But it was like, you know, of course, like, like Justin Combs. He always tell me how he's influenced by cash money. Talking about cash money, come on, Justin Combs going crazy. Yeah. The word for word. And it's so dope to see because <laughs> yeah. him being from the East Coast, being younger than me, well, he's 30 years old now, yeah. but being so influenced by our culture, it's like it's the same thing. So when so me viewing it from afar is like, wow, I want to go to New York. Right? 20 years old, I went to New York. And um I met my homie Mel Carter, Lonnie, Lonnie Ray, my big brothers, and they exposed me to this whole ecosystem in New York and showed me. Something I never seen in New Orleans. I was young. I was twenty years old, twenty one years old, and they out there like you know, they pick me up, culling in. <laughs> I'm not not the culling in the, uh, the the rapes and all that stuff. Like just everything. I'm like, man, what, like what these dudes going on? <laughs> but it was it allowed me to see something. Penthouse, yeah. craziest penthouse in in Brooklyn. Future and everybody would come and like shoot videos there, and, and it just it allowed me to see something different than what I'm from. Like we from the swamps, beautiful city, right? But we below sea level. You go to New York, it's a little different. You go to L.A., houses off the hill. So when I started to travel more and see things, like that's when I just started to open up more and knew that, you know, these certain things were obtainable. So, um, you know, my relationship with New York is like, man, like I love it. Like I tell my homies all the time, like, man, I'm half Brooklyn, half New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. Because yeah. like, they, 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 like all my friends, y'all know, like, man, they from New York. So um, we're coming to New York. We're going to Houston. We're going to Houston first. Um, I don't know if I should be saying this out loud. <laughs> but we got a roadmap: Houston, uh, Atlanta, New York, Miami. Whew. So four, like you know, so morals. I, I don't want morals everywhere. I want four morals. That's a game plan that can change. But I know I can accomplish a goal I want to accomplish by just getting four morals up throughout these cities um, and, and expanding. And like you know, I can be at that round table discussing, you know, some numbers. You know, so <laughs> I know it's gonna happen. Big so, timers. Yeah. So how is the um? What's the difference between the nightlife vibe and the restaurant vibe? Because you have a club, yeah. but you also have all of the restaurants. So a lot of people shy away from nightlife because of it's a lot of money, but it's a lot of problems. We all know, like, nightlife. It's never a good combination with alcohol. More liability. And it's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's just <laughs> it's a it's a it's a recipe for disaster. How are you able to navigate that and... What's your take on the differences between the restaurant industry and the nightlife industry? So if I can get, you know, I mean, at this point, like, you can't, it's not easy to sell a club, right? Like, like when I'm thinking of the big picture and what I'm trying to create, uh, I thought that I could with a club, right? So club is something that I love and, like, I want to own and I want to continue to do, um, not be so involved in it, but because it helps, like, you know, me own the nightlife and, you know, the profit margins are different. You know, being in that industry on the club, it's like I'm able to, you know, have a different pace. Like, oh, I'm able to go at a different pace because the cash flow is different, mm -hmm. right? So, um, but when you're talking about longevity, you know, like nightlife is short term. You know, like, you know, you got to get club at the club at the club at the club. Morrow's been running for five years. It's made five years, April 6th, and, you know, it's consistent. You know, I go to sleep, I wake up, I'm getting money. Mm. You know, nightlife, if, you know, it's not going to be as consistent as a restaurant can be. So, um I switched my game plan. I'm like, no, I want more morals versus more tree houses because now I can create something that is sellable. You know, I, I can scale something up and, 
you know, uh, I, I can package it up and sell it. So um, that's my goal. Like, my goal is to not just say I wanted to sell my company, but mm-hmm. to be at the table and to experience the feeling of if I want to, like, you know, like, all right, cool, like, I'm going to package my whole hospitality group, my hospitality, and, you know, potentially sell it to someone. But, um, you know, I, I think I think that's one of the goals for the future. Are there, are there other verticals inside of the hospitality group that you're willing to explore it's in terms of maybe merch or uh, a product that Morrow's is going to have and now license to other people? Oh, I don't think we're going to license anything. I, I mean, I mean, you say merch? Well, yeah, merch, cookbooks, recipes, well, things like well, that. Well, I mean, yeah, well, like, um, so, like, my mom, she has a, 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 um, her seasonings and, you know, different right, right. products coming out, um, coming out with merch. We're coming out with a bunch of different things, but um, outside of, like, the the, the seasonings and different things, it's not going to be much that we license. Like, I think it's going to be more so, uh, you know, we're trying to package everything just to make it, um, you know, just scale it up. Like, we're trying to keep everything, you know, in-house. So you're looking at the exit already? Well, just trying to come up with like uh, something's like, so I never had this big vision of like wanting to sell my company and I've been projecting a number into the universe. Like, look, I want to sell my company for this. Right? So like... 100 million? Gonna, yeah. So my goal is 100 million. 100 million. I, so I'm, I'm projecting into the universe. I'm like, all right, cool. I got to figure out how to do this. Right? So it's not so much about selling it. It's more so about setting goals. Right? So I set the goal of like, I want to sell my company for 100 million and, you know, that's the game. That's the goal now. So... Mm-hmm. My team around like, oh, we selling this company for hundred million. Well, the the, right? the the value in that is that now you reverse engineer it because a lot of times we're not even exposed to actually exiting <laughs> companies, so we don't really plan for right. that. But it's like, all right, if I want to sell it for a hundred million, and let's say the multiple is a ten x multiple, um, it might be less than the rest of our industry. But just using that as an example, now I have to bring in ten million dollars a year in revenue, mm-hmm. right? And now. You reverse engineer that to say, okay, what do I need to bring in $10 million a year? And now you're looking at a pathway to $100 million. Or if you're looking at a billion dollars, it's the same thing. It's just different multiples. Irv Gotti told us something that was extremely insightful. And he said, you can't sell what you don't own. Right. That's why ownership is so important. Can't sell what you don't own. That's elementary but you'd be surprised right. how many people don't fully understand right. that, right? Because at some point in time, you might want to sell something. Whether it's your music catalog, whether it's your restaurant, whether it's, we talked about Squid Games, the director of that sold his IP for $150,000 and it made Netflix mm-hmm. 900 yeah. um, million. You can't sell what you don't own. And you got to have a plan to sell because you never know. Right. That's what Dave Gretman, you know, uh, Dave Gretman, we had a conversation one day. Um, they grab me. He owns took over uh, the whole city of Miami. He owns everything. <laughs> Live on Sunday, Komodo, Poppy Steak. Yep. Somebody, you know, Swan. I watch, I watch Swan, movies, yep. and he told me it's like on your IP because you know, like we had these com- we had this conversation during the pandemic. I text him like, "Hey, Dave," and he called me like, "What's up, Dave?" I remember he was like, "What's up, Larry?" And he was just so eager to give me the advice, and um, he was like, "Man, on your IP, like, unless you like, you know, if you partner with a guy like Pharrell, you know, like, like this is before you open up the hotel, like, yeah. you know, good days, yeah, yeah." So, so, but um. Um, like right now is like the goal. Like, like, like my team is like, I woke up one morning. I'm like, yo, I want to sell for hundred million. Right. It just came out. I don't know where it came from. And honestly, I've been projecting into the universe and I'm not saying I'm going to sell, but, um, you know, now it's like my team. Shout out to Theora. I see Theora and Cedric. (laughs) That's my team right there. But, uh, but yeah, she, she be like, yo, we selling for hundred million. You know what I mean? So now it's like when you got everybody like, yo, we selling for hundred million. Like everybody working towards this goal. It's like, 
how can you lose? It's better to make it even it's, better when your dogs make it with you. But it's like it's like you know, imagine that 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 ball player in high school knowing he going to the pros and he gonna get a big check, but all he gotta do is stay focused. That's the feeling. Like you know, all I, 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 we gotta stay focused. We stay focused. We gonna, we gonna see that check. You've always had the grind since twenty. Recently, you became a father, right? Talk about the impact that that's had on your your mindset and your structure around business. Man, let me tell you, and, and this being just transparent, like this morning, my daughter, like when I woke up, like I was holding her and she was like, Daddy, I love you. And like, man, like I was emotional. I just started, like I, I dropped some tears because it was like I had a moment, like man, it's just so, it's like, especially during this weekend, like, you know, so much has happened in the past few days of just like just me connecting and seeing people and like, yo, telling me like how I inspired them and how this and like, man, like, like, I'm a big fan of yours and people from all over, right? Like, I, I walked into Essence Fest yesterday for 30 minutes and people stopping me, taking pictures, like, yo, you're a big inspiration. And so when I woke up this morning, I'm holding her, and she's like, Daddy, I love you. And, like, I just started crying, like, dropped some tears because it's like, this is what I'm doing it for, you know what I mean? Like, like everything that I'm doing is to build that legacy so I can create something for her. So it's like being a father has changed me. It's like been a game changer and allowed me to just, like, see things differently. It gave my life purpose. It made me say, like, you know what? Like, this ain't, if I was to be gone today, I'm building something for, for her, for my family, and for the woman around me. So it's had such a positive impact, man, and you know, not having a father has made me want to be a better father. Mm. So, like, it can be emotional at times because it's like, it's Father's Day, man. I experienced emotion I never experienced during Father's Day. It's like, damn, my father wasn't there. I never, I, I never even thought about that mm. on Father's Day. Like, damn, my father wasn't even there. And, and you know, like, I'm here with my daughter, and, and it's, like, such a beautiful feeling. And it's like, damn, he wasn't even there. So I had, like, I had shot a tweet out, and I'm like, I said, man, I still resent my father for not being there. It was just, like, an emotion that was going through me because it was, like, I never felt it. I never really even cared, honestly. And uh, a lot of people, like, could relate to it because it's, like, you know, it's, like, you know I mean? It, you shouldn't hold on to things like that, but for some reason, I'm not a person that holds grudges at all. I forget and forgive, but it's like I hold on to that for some reason because it's like it's just it's just something that stuck to me. It's just it still stick to me. It's just like I, I just kind of you know it's just a feeling of him not being there, but knowing that's such a beautiful thing. Like you give life, why not be there for you know the kid or the you know um, person you bring into the world? You know. So, so, so let me ask you this: as far as your your journey is concerned, I know physical. Fitness is a part of it, yeah. right? What's your routine? Because that's important. I think so many times, like, we run our, ourselves ragged, and it's like, <laughs> as a business owner, you're only as good as the clarity of your mind. Extremely underrated when it comes to running a business. This is why you have to eat healthy. You have to avoid toxic relationships. I tell my guys all the time, I'm like, Yo, if you're in a relationship issue, it's going to affect your work. No matter how focused you are, you can't be 100% focused on something if you're in a toxic relationship. Same thing if you're not healthy. Right. So what's your, what's your workout routine? I know that's important to you. Um, so I wake up, like, every morning. Well, you know, of course, not every morning, but uh, even if I um, even if I get in late, like, I got in at 6 a.m., I woke up at, like, 9.45. Um, that's just, like, you know, that's how I'm wired. Like, I'm just used to that at this point because I don't believe in, you know, getting in late being an excuse to start your day late, you know. So woke up at 9.45, got in at 6 a.m. Yeah, I'm tired, but, um, I, I like, I get on my friends all day, every day, like, like to the point to where if I FaceTime at 11 o'clock and they're not answering, 
it intentionally not answer my phone call because they know I'm gonna go crazy. Like, how are we gonna be friends? You waking up at eleven, twelve? Like that's <laughs> so not like, like that's not what that's not what success successful people do. You twelve know, like, o'clock is crazy. You know, that's crazy. so so so, 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 so I'm on them. So I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm tough on myself, right? I'm tough on myself. Like I, like I got in at five a.m. and I went work out at eight a.m. like maybe a week ago. And you're like, man, if consistency. And persistence was a person, you know, like, yeah. you know, I just think um, when you, when you want to be successful, you got to create good habits, right? Uh, you cannot be successful and wake up at noon <laughs> and expect to go, you know, uh, make the best of your day. You lost so many hours on yeah. that day. I just, like, just want to say one thing with the follow up on that. Success leaves clues. Yep. One of the, so we're in Miami a few years ago, right? And um, Fountain Blue, you know, Fountain Blue, you got to drive like all the way up, right? So we driving up and this is like, it's like 11, 45, 12 o'clock at night. We just came from dinner. We're about to go to Fountain Blue, get dressed, and then we're about to go out, right? So I'm driving um, by myself. I'm in a car, and I'm driving on the road to Fountain Blue, 12 o'clock at night. And I see somebody running in the middle of the street. You know, Fountain Blue, that's kind of like, almost like a highway, kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a busy street. But they're like running in the middle of the street by themselves, running to- towards me. And as he as he gets closer, I see who he is. Who do you think it was? Take a guess. In Miami, Fountain Blue, Dave Rutman? Floyd Mayweather. Oh, Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't training for a fight. This is after he retired, by the way, when he's already in his 40s, when he's already 50 and old, when he's already almost a billionaire. And when, when I saw that, I said, I get it. Because nobody's ever going to see that. You're going to see him on Instagram with a million dollars of cash and $14 million watch and private planes. The discipline of doing the same thing since he was six years old to 42 when nobody's watching for no reason because you you become addicted to certain things, right? Mm -hmm. You could be addicted to bad things. You could be addicted to good things as well. So when when I saw that, it was just so inspiring to me because I'm like, I understand why he's the best now. You know what I'm saying? Because he's doing this. When he doesn't have to. Right. At an hour that nobody would ever be running at 12 o'clock by himself, and I'm just like, success leaves clues. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people that are successful usually have similar habits. And even when we, when we met Akon, and I, we asked him, like, what's some of the biggest lessons that you learned from, like, you know, hanging around billionaires and different things of that nature? And he was like, a lot of the billionaires, like, they heavily are spiritual Mm-hmm. No matter what their religion is, you Muslim, Christian, whatever, he was like, that's a common denominator. Right. Like, you know, it keeps them grounded. It keeps them on a bigger purpose. It keeps, because it's like after you get a couple million dollars, you might think that you're God. Right. Like, you know what I mean? But then it's like, if you're humble enough to understand that all this can be taken away from you, your drive is going to be different. Right. And your purpose is going to be different because you realize that it's not just about you. You're here to actually help other people. Right. So that has to come from a connection higher and bigger than yourself. So a lot of these different things, these are like intangible things that you really just can't pick up on your own. You have to have to see it firsthand. So I wanted to talk about that working out. I think yeah. that, that was important because yeah. people, you know, they see success, but there's right. other things that anybody can do right. to actually get themselves to that yeah. journey. Yeah. That, 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 that piece you just spoke about, that waking up. Yeah. Like that's that, I always tell people that's that fatherhood lesson. Right. It don't matter what time you get in, you come in at night, your kid's waking up at seven. But see, and but they deserve to have right. the but, full but, you. But I think I, I spend a lot of time preparing for what's to come because I know it's coming. Yeah. Right. So I'm I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna get to it. 
I'm going to be the first one up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to sleep late. I'm going to work out. I'm going to be out with you, and I'm going to wake up before you. You know, so all my friends, every single one, they know how I am. When they wake up late, I swear I'm like a drill sergeant. <laughs> like, like, like even, yeah. with my, even with my, my fiancé, like, at one point, she used to wake up later than me, right? And I told him, like, man, what are you doing? Like, you can't be waking up late <laughs> like that. Man, I wake up in the morning, she gone. You know what I mean? She out the bed working out, like, wake up before me now, 6 a.m., and she be out the door. And, you know, it's just like it's about having people around you that's going to push you and not allow you to, you know, sleep on yourself because, yeah. you know, we all can be great, but we just got to really put that, project that into the universe and, and you know, just have a, a, a nice ecosystem. Yeah, you lead, you lead by demonstration. Right. I wonder at this point, right, because we've seen you, and every time we see you, you got your day ones with you. Is at any point does survivor's remorse kick in for you or has it kicked in for you, right? Like I'm making it and some of the guys that I came up with, they even fell off, or I tried to put them in positions and it didn't work. Has that, that happened to you throughout the course of, of, of building the brand? <clears throat> no, I think, you know, uh, everybody wants different things in life. You know, everybody wants different things. And, uh, you know, if you're if, if you're one of my friends, you know you know me, you know how I am. And, like, I put in the group, the group chat the other day with my homies, like 10 of us. And I said, man, look, life is about helping one another. I said, if any any of y'all need anything from me, let me know. Like, maybe we need to sit down and have more roundtable talks. But that's what it's about. Like, we can build our business off the backs of others because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Let me help you. You help me. Let's scratch each other back. So I told him that, and it's like, I'm here. But cause I, cause, And the reason why I say that, because the day before, I saw a homie of mine, close friend of mine, and uh, his business. And he was talking about some of the struggles of his business. But I'm like, you're trying to do it all alone. No, I'm like, bro, I'm not successful because I'm doing, my sh- doing this alone. I'm successful because I have a team around me. I have people that's helping me. Like, none of this was built by just by, by me. Through the good grace of God, I have a blessed, I'm blessed to have a, a great team and a great support system that help, you know, manifest all these ideas. But it's, it's not like it was a lot harder when it was just me, you know, coming up with the idea, trying to execute it, do the whole, you know, do the whole thing. But now that I can come up with an idea and we can sit at a table and figure out how to execute it, it helps and, and it helps me accomplish and us accomplish more. So, um, nah, man, with the homies, it's like, I'm not, because uh, I think, you know, everybody got the same 24. I push my homies. I'm here. I can support you, whatever you need. And I always, you know, let them know, like, yo, look, let's figure out how we can utilize each other. So before we wrap, what's what's on the vision board? You talked about, you know, the restaurants. Um, are you getting more into real estate? Do you? What else do you want to do? Like, what's your 10-year plan looking like? Um, Honestly, like, I'm not a person that plan out that far. Um, 10 years is a long time. We got to get to 10. We got to get to five first. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking about today. Um, and honestly, my, like my game plan changed every, every day. Like they'll tell you, I'll wake up one day and be like, yo, look, look, we going, we going, I'm going to buy this. Oh, we're not opening up no more restaurants. And I'm like, oh, look, no, I want 10 more. So it's like, I'm a tough person to deal with because like a, a lot of like, you know, I go off my emotions. Like, so I'm, some days I'm feeling like, man, let's go, let's, let's go get it. And days I'm like, no, like, let's be strategic and figure out how we're going to do this. So, um, I know the next five years, the goal is to build this company up, entertain some conversations to see if we want to sell the company. I know in the next, you know, three to four, five years that we'll be in a position to where, in which we, I feel like we're in a position now to where we had had conversations, but nothing that, like, not the conversations that we want yet, you know? So um, I would say in the next five years to continue to grow this hospitality company, uh, we're acquiring, acquiring some of the real estate that we, you know, what our businesses are. Because um, I kind of fell back off of real estate. Only real estate that I want right now is the commercial pieces that, you know, we, we house all businesses. Um, uh, probably another kid. Another kid. Grow this empire. Um, what about collaborations? 
Oh uh, yeah, definitely collaborations. Um, I have uh, I have a few people that you know I'm I'm looking to collaborate with. I can't say who yet because um, you know we we had some conversations and we we talk about collaborating and and it's probably going to happen in the future because of course in order to go big you got to have you know take a lot of capital mm -hmm. you know so like you know catch hospitality didn't become catch hospitality because. They were good. They had great people around them and people that were willing to invest in their dreams. So we've been able to build up this far, and at some point we, we may say, you know what, let's let, let, let's go bigger. You know. Do you ever realize? I mean, I mean, it's tough, right? When you're doing the work, it's tough to look in the rear view. The path that you're trailblazing. When I'm listening to it, I hear Dave Grutman. That's a phone call. Catch, uh, catch hospitality. That's a phone call. These aren't doors that have always been open for people that look like us. Do you realize the path that you are you like aware of it? Like sometimes, you know what I mean? Because sometimes we get caught in the moment with mo moving so fast, we don't even realize what we're doing. I be telling like, man, look, man, look what's going on. Like I tell my mom sometimes, I'm like, yo, mom, like look what's going on. Like this, this shit is happening right now. Look at what's going on. This is not normal. And, and, and I know for a fact, like just what we built the ecosystem, what we created, it's not normal, man. It's not normal. Like, you know, it ain't like you know, like friends come. You know, a lot of my friends, man, I'm thankful to have blessed people in my life and, and just people who, who 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 care about what I'm doing and friends from all over who just, like, always remind me, like, yo. Like, because sometimes I just be like, you know, it's, like, regular, but, you know, you get reminded, like, man, this shit is, this shit is, this is extraordinary, you know? This shit is for real, you know what I mean? So, um, man, it's just a feeling I get, man, like, you know, like, I get the, I get the BGs, man, like, <laughs> get the bubble guts thinking about it because it's like, I know what's happening, man, and like, in my heart and my soul, like, I told my mother the other day, I said, this is gonna happen, I'm telling you, I promise you, it's no way for it not to happen. You know, through the good grace of God, man, we're gonna be able to do all the things that we wanna do in this lifetime. I appreciate you, man, definitely, this was dope for us, um, you know, I to connect with you a lot and ask you, you know, you always help invest fest. Anything that we need, you know, call, and um, it's never a problem. So I'm glad that, you know, when we came to New Orleans, we was able to connect with you. And it's a dope conversation, actually, very insightful. And it's great to hear from the entrepreneurs. You know, for me, like, that's something, like, I always just pick up information, and I'll just learn a variety of different things. Just now, I actually just got some, a few ideas just from hearing you talk. And um, it's even better to do it in a bookstore. Like, it's interviewing an entrepreneur in another entrepreneur's establishment, it's very important. Like, you know, entrepreneurship is something that we, we need to highlight. <coughs> we need to highlight more. Because yeah. you know it's like that's the real engine to actually change things. Yeah. Entertainment is great, but the vast majority of people are not going to be successful as entertainers. And entertainment's opportunity to change things is limited. Yeah, Like, you can make, you know, positive messages through your songs, different things of that nature, but real change comes from business, private sector, because everything really comes down to money. Like politicians, school, health, all of that. So this is why it's like the entrepreneurs are really the most important people in our community. So it's like we need to celebrate them, champion them, and tell their stories and learn from them um, because it's important. So I think what you're doing is not only inspiring and motivational, um, but it's, it's very important because we know New Orleans, similar to Chicago, where there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of, you know, homicides. All of that stuff comes from poverty, right? So it's like if we can change the mindset of people and change how young people are thinking and give them opportunities, and uh, you don't necessarily have to join a gang. You can be an entrepreneur. You can get mentored by an entrepreneur. You can work in this X, Y, and Z restaurant. Like, you know, you, you're changing people's lives by providing them jobs. 
and providing them information and providing them, you know, you never really know. Like, sometimes I, they take that for granted as well. Like, you know, even where we're from, like, our neighborhood, like, all of the kids want to be entrepreneurs now. They all selling merch. Everybody got a podcast. Everybody doing that, right? And that's because the game changer. They saw yeah. us and they like, if they do it, I know I can do it. Right. So now we're the person. They're not looking up to the drug dealer. Right. They looking up to us. Yeah. So it's like giving them different opportunities. Nobody wants to be a negative person, but if that's all they see as a viable option, then you're gonna make that decision. But if you give them different options then they have different things to choose from. So continue on the path that you're on. Um, hopefully we can go to your restaurant before we leave here because I'm hungry. Um, but, um, nah, Big man, fact. thank you again. And tell the people, you know, where they can uh, patronize your restaurants when they come to the city. Um, so Morrow's uh, 2438 St. Claude. Uh, it's right down the street, two minutes from here. Uh, Sun Chung, French Quarter. Hot spot, you know, right in the mix of everything. Two forty Decatur, Monday Mid City. Uh, shit, I can't remember the address. Uh, Four forty three twenty seven Beanville. And we got Morrow Steak on the way downtown. Um, uh, spicy Mango for, uh, Frenchman Street, historic strip. You know, we right at the forefront of it. Like you gotta pass me before you go on Frenchman. <laughs> you gotta see me first. Very intentional. You feel me? Super intense. So, so um. Treehouse, you know, it's, it's like a straight line because everything goes straight. You know, we got like every part of the city, Central City too. Every every part. Can of I get city. gumbo at your restaurant? You get whatever you without need. pork. Monday, you can get seafood gumbo at Morrow's. Only on Monday. Monday gumbo. Uh, Monday. No, Monday's a no pork. No, 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 no. Monday. But um, yeah. So like um, man, like you know, thank y'all for you know oh, so sharing good. your platform. The legend. I appreciate it. You know, this is big, man, because uh, I watch y'all journey. Watch y'all, you know, do what y'all doing, man. Like, I told you the other day, like, like man, you're in Italy. Like, you live life, like, you know, off the coast of France. Motivational like, purposes only. Like, like, uh, uh, Motivational purposes only. No, but no, only, no, 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 talk, man. Don't no, listen. Like, no, like, want to give you y'all, like, give y'all y'all flowers. Because, man, what y'all doing, bro, like, real talk. Like, y'all really inspiring the world. That's love, Like, bro. what y'all doing, man, y'all platform that y'all built. And just connecting the dots and just invest fest and, and educating people and just showing people, man, it's like, you know, like like me and Justin Combs was having a conversation one day and I'm like, you know, right now what's happening is a, it's a new age of, you know, just entrepreneurs, just just individuals. And, like, you know, they got the hoves, they got the puffs, they got the, you know, the the just all the people that came before us, but they got, you know, people that got to go fill those, you know, those seats. And, Next you generation, know, yeah. I believe, you know, what you guys are doing, you already got to see what your name on it. And so do I. So, uh, you know, man, just continue to be a motivation uh, for all of us, man, because I've, I've truly been inspired by y'all journey. So, you know, thank y'all. Thank you. And once again, thanks to the hospitality for Ball, Ball Winning Company. Yep. Uh, bookstore and coffee shop. If you're in New Orleans, make sure you patronize. It's, it's very tastefully done. Um, I haven't been in a bookstore in a very long time. Yeah, it's been a minute. So, um, you know. I feel like I want to read a book. <laughs> yeah. I might have to get some. For sure. But that's yeah. important, too. Lit literature. Yeah. Is is important in yep. in the in the age of AI in the age of you know technology, never forget to actually um, read. <laughs> That's something that a lot of it's, people don't it's do. Fundamental. These days. They get their information just from Instagram yeah. and somebody's opinion, and they take that as fact. Right. And um, that's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Actually, what can say? What can so, say? You want to hide something from them? Put it in the book. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's something that I think that um. We getting away from so education is extremely important. Yeah, Not just the education that's provided for you from other people, 
um, but education that you provide for yourself. So, you know, as the, when they say in Ghana, they said, um, until the lion gets to tell his story, the hunter is always going to be glamorized. Something I'm kind of paraphrasing. Champion, so yep. We've been taught from the hunter's perspective. We've been, we let them tell our story for mm-hmm. us. You know, these kind of um, establishments, there's a reason why, like, you know, the ancient library, we went to Egypt. The ancient library, That's I believe it was in Cairo. <laughs> <laughs> they were saying it was, it, it was the largest li- <laughs> it was the largest library in the world at that time, right? And it was like it was burnt to the ground. I believe Alexander the Great burnt it down, or one of them. Um, there's a reason why it was burnt. Because they were like, that has so much information. It set the world back thousands of years yeah. by them burning that library, but you burn the library, you you erase the history. Mm. And you keep people ignorant, right? So this is an age of information, but it's also an age of just nonsense because we have so much access on our phone, but we have so many distractions as well. So it's extremely important not to always be distracted and actually take time to learn and to educate yourself. So yeah. a bookstore, what, what better way to have this conversation of actually learning in a new age media we're having you know, a conversation like this in a bookstore? They're both ways to educate yourself, whether you're listening to it, watch, watching it on YouTube, or actually physically reading a book. Um, never forget that education is a lifelong journey and you can't just constantly distract yourself. You have to, at some point in time, unplug from the matrix and actually educate yourself. Yeah, and on top of that, I mean, if you look at the authors on the, on the shelves, black authors, right? And so we always talk about oppression and ignorance, right? But indoctrination is that last piece. And so it could be looked at a negative connotation until you realize that we have an opportunity to change the doctrine. And when we look at the authors that are in here, that's happening. When we look at what we're doing, that's happening. When we look at what you're doing, it's happening. We're creating a new narrative, man. So um, we're going to keep going, man. We got we got our, our role to play. You got yours. And everybody that's in here, I think we ain't say shout out to them, but shout out to the studio audience that's here. Yeah. Yeah. Know your clap for yourselves. Yes. Live studio audience. <laughs> so thank you guys for coming out. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Larry, always a pleasure, my brother. And uh, shout out to everybody that's watching this. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.